Good morning. It is good to be back in the saddle with you this Sunday. Uh, hopefully you are able to watch last week and be part of Mission Sunday. We had a great service together. If you've not yet seen that, I want to encourage you to go back and check it out. One of the many good things that God is doing right now in the midst of our exile is he's helping us to rediscover the one another's of the Christian life. To, uh, we've been forced, really, because we can't gather in large groups, we've been forced to go small and to press into relationship and, and to find and sustain relationships and be creative about it during this season. That's a really good thing. One of our favorite books around here is The Trellis and the Vine by Colin Marshall and Tony Payne. And in a recent interview about the pandemic and how it's affecting the church, they said this, I love this. They said it, the pandemic's gonna be like a stress test for us. A stress test that will, that will test the quality of the one another life in our churches. And I think that's what's happening right now to us as a church here, our local church in Cave Spring. Right now, our church is more decentralized than it's ever been, uh, and, and it's, it's, we're scattered in a good way uh, for the purpose of rediscovering, one of the many good things, rediscovering uh, ministry to one another. The word of God remains central, right? So in this moment of scattering, it's not as if we don't have something centering us. The word of God remains central, and yet, we, uh, we are discovering something new and fresh and life-giving. And the thing that we're discovering is that we are each owning the responsibility to stay connected. We think that's really important right now. Your pastors are encouraged by the way we're seeing each of you pursue relationship and stay connected to one another. And so we want to go after one another ministry. And we've been thinking about uh, uh, how we would walk through May together and what we'd like to do is think about the Christian one another's from the New Testament. So our series here in the month of May will focus on five clusters of the one another's. So there are 14 or 15, uh, depending on how you count, 14 or 15 Christian one another's in the New Testament. They nicely fall into about five categories. We're gonna walk through those during the month of May. And the first one that we wanna pursue is greeting one another greeting one another, this cluster of one another's that centers on personal warmth and acceptance and blessing. Now it might strike you as a little bit odd that we would go after a series on one another's while we can't practice them in person, or at least we think we can't. So we need to, we need to sort through this. We, we wanna pursue this and, and try it anyway. Our three one another's for today are greeting, acceptance, and hospitality. Let's start with greeting, and if you'll join me in verse 16 of Romans chapter 16, the very end of this passage that Kelly just read, you will see the one another right there in verse 16. Notice this, it says greet one another. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Greet one another with a warm, personal greeting, Paul says. 18 times in this particular paragraph, like 18 times just in this paragraph, Paul says, greet, 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 over and over again. What strikes me about how Romans ends here is not that Paul has good letter writing etiquette. 
This litany of greetings is coming from his heart. This litany of greetings is, is about affection that he has for the people of God. So the affection that he has for Phoebe in verses 1 and 2 and her full surrender and submission to Christ and her willingness to serve the church at Kencray as, as a servant or as a deacon, some translations have it. His affection for Phoebe reminds him of his affection for Priscilla and Aquila and his affection for those that are meeting in their house that they're discipling. And that reminds him of Epinetus, and that reminds him of Mary, and then Andronicus, and then Urbanus, and then just on and on and on. He's like, man, all these people that I love in Christ, that's what's happening here. Romans is a love letter. It's a love letter written by an apostle who wants his church to thrive, who wants God's church to thrive. Paul's not walking through Kroger saying hello, 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 and just moving on. There is a solidarity of affection that is at work here. We do well to be reminded that we don't unite ourselves in the church. We, we don't unite ourselves in the church. It is the love of Christ that unites us. We yield and embrace and, and we do act activate our wills to join in that but we're not the ones who initiate this this great thing uh, called saving grace called the church called the love of christ did you notice the repeated expression as kelly was reading did you notice how many times that phrase occurs in christ or in the lord look at verse three in christ look at verse five in christ look at verse seven Look at verse 8. Now in verse 9. Then verse 11, in the Lord. Verse 13, in the Lord. Tom Schreiner writes, These are not merely secular hellos, but are rooted in a new life in Christ. Moreover, he says, the Christian gospel was not a cause or an ideology that would trample over the personhood uh, or the individual. The very core of the gospel is love for others. And Paul's expressing his love through his greeting. And he doesn't want to leave anyone out. Paul had not yet been to Rome. And so these are the people that he knows that are connected to the church at Rome. And he's just thinking of one after another and every single individual matters. Every person matters. And that is something that's really unique about Christianity. That God's love for us in Christ transfers um, our own interest from ourselves to an interest in every other person and every other individual. For the Christian, greeting someone is not just good manners. We, we tend to think of greeting as, as just good manners. But for the Christian, it's not just good manners. Greeting is about delighting in other people. It's about delighting in other people more than myself. Greeting is a form of blessing. And blessing is when you want someone else to thrive and you voice that to them. You don't just want it for them. You want them to thrive and you voice to them that you would like them to thrive. You convey grace. Your, your words convey grace. Your eyes 
interest, your posture, humility, and love, and warmth. Greeting, greeting is about making somebody else more important than you are at that moment. And it's true that anyone can learn to greet another person. We teach our children long before they have experienced the grace of Christ that they should greet other people with kindness. And that's good etiquette. So anyone can learn that kind of greeting. But not just anyone can offer a Christian greeting. Not just anyone can offer a greeting that has been underwritten by the kindness that we have experienced from God in Christ. So, so what makes a distinctively Christian greeting is that it's energized by blessing. It's energized by grace. And it seeks to convey that grace to someone else. And to take it a step further when it comes to greeting, the more genuinely interested you are in another person over time, and I mean over years, the more a simple greeting can carry with it. So for example, when I see Don Gilmer these days and I offer a genuine, warm greeting toward him, it, it carries something more than it used to because now I am aware of his recent loss and I'm aware of his potential loneliness. See, the gospel takes a mundane act of greeting and it makes it a new thing, a life-giving thing. And the longer we walk together and live together and love one another, these greetings take on new and deeper meaning. And so we seek to bless one another. When we do get, to, uh, when we do get back together face to face, we won't be shaking hands for a while, right? Everybody's agreed about that. But that doesn't mean we can't greet one another. Because the blessing, listen, the blessing is not in the handshake out here. The blessing is in here. The blessing is in here, and it's in here, and, and it's in the listening, and it's in the interest. So it's really going to be an experiment in what we mean when we gather back together to greet one another with our eyes and our posture and our interest, more so than a handshake. And we look forward to that. So greeting one another is a way to bless one another. That brings us to our second one another in this cluster of blessing, and that is acceptance. So do this, if you would, turn back a page to Romans 15, 7, uh, and look at Romans 15, 7, and read this with me. Give you a second to get there. Therefore, Romans 15, 7, therefore accept one another as Christ has accepted you. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. The, the NIV translates it, accept one another. That's probably a better rendering here than welcome. Uh, the, the, the idea is that because God has accepted you through Christ, you would want that same kind of acceptance to be conveyed to others um, with a disposition of grace and kindness. So Paul is calling the church to welcome or accept one another because of what Christ has done for us. He says, don't accept here in 15.7, don't accept one another just because you're from the same hometown, just because you like the same team, uh, just because you found out you're in the same uh, political party. Don't, don't like one another for those reasons. Accept one another because the, 
grace of God is underwriting this new collection of people, the church. Now, here in, so you're reading Romans 15 and you go through that and then you get to chapter 16 and what you see in chapter 16 is where this gospel acceptance takes us when it comes to this group of people called the church at Rome. We don't know a lot about the 26 different people that Paul mentions here. We don't know a lot about them, but we do know this. It is an incredibly diverse group of people. No question about that. I mean, think about the racial and ethnic diversity. You have both Jews and Gentiles, right? The, the dividing wall that was separating Jew and Gentile has been torn down. Uh, you have Greek, Latin, and Roman names throughout this paragraph, all pointing to a variety of ethnic origin. You have economic diversity, right? You have people of significant wealth like Priscilla and Aquila and Phoebe and others, Aristobulus and Narcissus. They were probably... Uh, owners of estates uh, whether they were even still present or not their homes and estates are being used for the gospel so you've got people with significant wealth and the rest of the list being made up of fairly common people working class kind of people and no resentment about that between the two groups or the variety of groups in between no resentment about well he's wealthy or I'm poor or I, or I'm better because I live on less and no resentment and superiority. No, no, no. God's making one people and, and it's a beautifully diverse group of people. So you have racial and ethnic diversity. You have economic diversity. You have gender diversity. That is eight or nine of the 26 people are, are women. And Paul signals out that at least four of these ladies Mary, Tryphena, and Tryphosa, probably twins, by the way. Not sure about that, but we think so because of the way they're named. Mary, Tryphena, Tryphosa, and Persis, all four of them, uh, Paul describes as those who labor in the, go- in the gospel. And the word he, use, word he uses leads um, New Testament scholar Tom Schreiner, again, to say they were probably missionaries. This is probably mission work. So you have at least four of these ladies being engaged in gospel work, probably mission work, and again, this beautiful diversity of the church at Rome. It's not just the men doing ministry. Women are actively, very actively involved in life and ministry here in the church. Speaking of Mission Sunday, this past Sunday was awesome. I was talking with one of our families, and they were confessing at first it was hard to stay with the subtitles, but we stuck with it, and pretty early on, once we got through that, uh, we really enjoyed it, and the thing that was most valuable was, I think, this is what they said, I think I realized it's not so much a linguistic barrier, but an invitation into the beautiful diversity of the gospel. Xavier is my, Xavier is my brother in Christ. He's speaking in his heart language, and He's, it was just a beautiful thing, and, and I totally agree with that. I, I thought that was a great way to think about uh, what we were hoping we would feel uh, from him while he was preaching from Puerto Rico and, and, and to us. And so Hispanic, Chinese, or American, we are part of the same family of God. We, we keep our cultural distinctives, and yet we are still being 
Yeah, we keep our cultural distinctives and yet we are all being transformed into the shared likeness of Christ. That's an amazing thought. The gospel doesn't wash away our distinctives. The gospel brings out the color and texture of our distinctives. That's what we felt with him this past Sunday. And that's a beautiful thing. Acceptance can, uh, acceptance can bring the gospel to life in that way, even in your own life, where you and I are accepting those who are not like us. And all of a sudden, we get this deep awareness that, man, this is not about us so much. It's about God remaking a people for himself. So acceptance is a really important one another. The third one another that fits into this cluster of blessing is hospitality. And the apostles talk a lot about hospitality. In fact, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 9, Peter comes out and says it like this. Show hospitality to one another. He calls the church. Show hospitality to one another and do so without grumbling. That is, make it a regular part of your life. Just assume you're going to share your house and your stuff with people. That's what Christians do, Peter says. My tendency is to say, this is my house. Right? I wouldn't say it out loud, but that's what I feel. This is my house. These are my things. This is my space. And yet the gospel calls me to share, to share with others. My vehicles, my tools, my house, my money, because ultimately it's not mine. If your house is so nice that you cannot welcome others into it, if your car is so valuable that you can't loan it to a friend in need, if your possessions are starting to possess you, then hear the word of the gospel today. Hear the word of the gospel today that God himself is our greatest possession. And when we discover that God himself is our greatest possession, it frees us to share, to do what we've been telling our children, right, all of their younger years, share. It's nice to share. It's good to share. But now, as recipients of grace, we have a really good reason to share because Christ shared his life with us. We then share our life and things and stuff with others. So where's the hospitality here in Romans 16? Let me give you a second to try to find it with me. Where is it? Look at verse 5 and see if you can see it. Take a moment and look with me in Romans 16, verse 5. You see it there? Then look at verse 14. And look at verse 15. Do you see it? Paul is referring to at least three homes. Three homes that have opened up their space to allow brothers and sisters to come in, to gather, to talk, to feel warmth, to exchange conversation, to enjoy meals together, to laugh together, to cry together, to pray together. All this is happening in homes. If the early Christians had not opened their homes to one another, I don't think we would see anything close to the rapid expansion of the gospel that we have seen in Jerusalem. Judea and to the uttermost parts of the earth what's happening in homes is the gospel is spreading beautiful contagious life-giving one another experience is spreading through the homes one of the lessons that we are learning right now is that the church is not a building the church is not a facility the church is a collection of people who are being made new and that can still happen on back porches in kitchens 
in dining rooms, as we're zooming into one another's worlds, FaceTiming with one another, texting, uh, making phone call efforts to talk to one another on the phone, read scripture together, memorize the word of God together, talk about the sermon together. We are pressing further into the one another's of the Christian life. Let me close with this recent uh, real-time example from our own church. Why was it so hard to say goodbye to the Rileys? Why do you think it was hard? Why, why was it so difficult? Why did so many people line up in a long line of cars and wait for 15, 20, 30 minutes, some people, to say goodbye last Sunday night? Because, and it was hard, and it was meaningful, because Philip and Nicole, for the last six years, have invested their lives here. They have been in our homes. They have shared meals with us. They have invested in our children. We've prayed together. We've walked together. We've struggled together. Uh, we've shared the same visions and dreams together. That's what makes hospitality and life together is what makes it so hard to say goodbye. And I promise you, every single person in that line would want to go do that hard thing again because it's the sweetness of relationship that makes saying goodbye hard. And if that's not there, man, what is our Christian faith? What is our life together? So this is a cluster of blessings. Greeting, acceptance, and hospitality. Three things that kind of swirl around this, this cluster of interest in others blessing, warmth, genuine concern. I want to pray for us that God would really deepen our love for one another in these ways. Would you pray with me? Jesus, thank you that while we were enemies, you moved toward us. While we were strangers, you adopted us. Jesus, thank you that, that you ran toward us like a father who embraces a prodigal son. Jesus, thank you that, that you have welcomed us and accepted us. And we, we plead that you would, we plead with you that you would give us that same kind of grace and warmth and acceptance toward others. Help us this week to embody that to other people, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.